fam. Welcome to the Prescription for Change podcast. Are you a working professional, busy mom, and tirelessly trying to bring your A-game in your career? Do you prioritize your family and their needs before your own, leaving little to no time for self-care? Do you secretly fantasize about the days you are at your physical peak and confident with your body and in your skin? Are you tired and struggling with the never-ending journey to better nutrition, physical fitness, and mental health? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then this podcast is for you. I am your host, Dr. Michelle, board-certified physician, mom of two, and your health coach. This podcast will transform the way you think about food and your health so you can break away from perfection paralysis and finally start to live your life intentionally. Let's get started. Hello, hello, hello. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Prescription for Change. I am your health coach, Dr. Michelle. I want to set a little scene for you. So as you are continuing to listen in, you get to learn a little bit more about myself. Um, Just thinking back to, I would say about five years ago now, um, I'm a high achieving professional in the career of my dreams or that I've always um, wanted to do and seemingly happy with how things are going at work, at home. I'm married, have my two little kiddos. And I just remember feeling like something was missing, like there was a part of myself missing. And Every day after work, I would come home feeling tired or exhausted, really not having much more patience for my kiddos or anyone else, really, and just wanting to decompress in front of the TV and always wanting to have something sweet, always wanted a sugary kind of like snack. And that typically would be ice cream or cookies or cake of some sort. I do love chocolate. That is my one vice, (laughs) if I had to name one, but just always wanting to have something sweet. And it was justified by the fact that I had been working all day and I deserved this treat because at that time I was attaching the feelings about myself and what I was doing to the food that I was eating. And I've talked a lot before about food being neutral or adopting a mindset of food neutrality because that just kind of sets you free from the perceptions and negative perceptions that we put on ourselves or how we make ourselves feel after we eat certain foods, how we or, you know, what we associate with kind of the junk food versus the healthy food. And if that makes us a good person or a bad person, we make food make us feel some way about ourselves, which you want to be able to detach yourself from. So anyway, just going back to, you know, thinking back five years ago, when I would always just kind of plop down in front of the TV on the sofa, and I would eat like a pint of ice cream, or have six cookies, or have a big chunk of chocolate cake. 
with chocolate frosting and chocolate chips and all the things. Um, and it was satisfying that craving that I had, right? Because we all know sugar is addictive. It kind of ignites that um, pleasure response in your brain. And that's the thing that I was craving. And I felt like I always needed to have that. But I was doing that or using food as a reward for the difficult day that I had been through. And this was something that occurred every single day, and it became a habit. And so if I could, now thinking about it, if I could make eating a sweet snack every single night part of my routine or make that a habit, then why can't I change that and make a new habit or a different habit or replace that with something else? Maybe instead of staying up later at night and decompressing on the couch with a snack that's sweet, I could maybe have a piece of fruit or have some veggies or not eat so late or not snack at all. And so it was, again, one of those things attaching emotions to food. And food does play a large part in how we feel. But I wanted to change the narrative. I wanted those feelings to be positive feelings, positive reinforcement for eating the foods that are going to make me feel good and nourish me. Because let's be real, eating a pint of ice cream at 11 o'clock of night at 11 o'clock at night, sitting in front of the TV, and then you fall asleep, really wasn't getting a good sleep. I was waking up kind of feeling um, bloated or my body was having an inflammatory response and my joints, I could feel it. And it didn't feel good. It's kind of that same feeling that you may have when you're not quite hungover, you drink a little bit too much, and you have these alcoholic beverages that are really sweet, and it just doesn't always sit well with you. So just finding the things that work well for your body. And being in my late 30s at that time, that was just not a good look and it didn't feel good the next morning. So in the moment, it felt good and I was igniting that pleasure response, but the next day it didn't feel good and I was gaining weight or not able to lose the weight that I wanted to and feeling like I was constantly having setbacks. But I didn't associate what I was doing at that time, like having those late night snacks that were sugary or sweet with having the setback in my journey because my mind wasn't in the right place, my body didn't feel good, and so I wasn't able to move forward. So again, I love a good definition. The definition of craving is having a deep desire for something. So we normally associate cravings with food. It's something that you really, really want or your brain is telling you, I really want this thing. But typically that's linked to an addiction, right? It's that thing that um, that even just hearing about it, like thinking about that chocolate cake or thinking about the ice cream or thinking about the cookies would automatically ignite that pleasure response in my brain and saying, I have to have this thing, right? It wasn't going to do anything for me. I, mean, I knew that it would feel pretty crappy the next day, but it didn't matter because I was thinking about in that moment, that's what my brain was trained to do. In that moment, it would taste really good. So 
I want to talk a little bit about a little bit today about rewiring or retraining your taste buds because that's totally possible to do. And once I realized that I could rewire my taste buds and I adopted this food neutrality, those two things combined really helped with moving the needle in my health and getting me to the place where I wanted to be, that place of having energy and not feeling stressed out and having more patience when I came home and having time with my kids and being able to do all of the things that I wanted to do, being able to decompress or relax and find that time for myself and self-care, having the wherewithal to be able to set aside that time for myself and give myself what I needed so that I could function better. And that made me feel good. And then I didn't have that kind of crummy feeling or inflammation or bloating the next day. So that is what I needed. And that's what needed to change. And so I learned how to rewire my taste buds. So if you think about your, so your tongue is a muscle. And it's like training in the gym. You need to be able to exercise those muscles, those taste buds, and activate them in order to be able to have an appreciation for all of those senses. So when you're talking about taste and really truly being able to enjoy your food, which I love to do, right? I like to now sit down with a hot meal and be able to have the time to enjoy my food and enjoy all of those flavors and take all of that in because that's a part of the experience for me. I'm not a big fan of, you know, rushing and eating in the car. I do not like that at all. And that was something that I also used to do very frequently in previous years and have stopped doing because I don't get to enjoy my food that way. I'm not thinking about the flavors. I'm not thinking about what I'm taking in and how it's nourishing my body. And so that changes a whole tone when you're eating anything. So anyway, going back to your senses. So there are five um, taste buds that you have, five main taste buds. Initially, there were four, but I'll talk about that fifth one. So sweet, salty, sour, and bitter. And they're located on different parts of your tongue. So on the front, the sides, and the back of your tongue are where you're going to have most of those taste buds. But most recently, scientists discovered a fifth taste bud, which is unami or fifth sense of taste, which is unami. And that's basically the um, savory taste bud. So it's made up of three different compounds, two of them being plant compounds, one of them being a meat compound, but it's that um, taste for, you know, savory, something, um, you know, like animal protein, but plant proteins like mushrooms can also Um, ignite that unami taste bud. So that's a really important one because one of the things that I always think about mushrooms or olives or those sorts of things is, you know, people not really liking those or they say, oh, that tastes gross or I don't really like that. I don't like mushrooms, whatever your association is with it. But you can retrain your taste buds to enjoy those flavors, right? And to be able to really appreciate those flavors in the food that you're eating. So in order to be able to appreciate certain foods or to enjoy certain foods, or when you say that I don't like this and I like this, it's really the taste buds that you're exercising the most. You're developing a taste for something. And when you think about infants, 
um, or toddlers being introduced to new foods. That's the time that they're going to be exploring. They're open to everything. They have no idea what anything tastes like aside from the formula or breast milk that they've been fed up until those first, you know, four to six months. So they have no idea of the sweet, the salty, the sour, the bitter, and this is the time to explore. So when you're introducing foods, a lot of times I'll find that parents will, again, project their likes or dislikes on an infant. They don't like peas. They don't like spinach. They don't like kale. It's usually the the greens that, you know, you're saying their infants don't like, but they haven't developed that taste for it. So if you introduce it, and you have to keep reintroducing foods, it's going to take for infants and children somewhere around 20 tries for them to really know if they like a food or don't like a food, if they accept it or reject it. And for us as adults, somewhere around uh, 10 tries to rewire that taste bud, but you need to be exposed to it more than one time in order to know you know, exercising that muscle and know if it's something that you like or not, or that you can appreciate. But our taste buds are highly complex structures. And when you couple that with the sense of smell, that is what ignites our perception of food. So those two things combined, your sense of smell, your taste gets dulled if your sense of smell isn't there. You can't smell it. You can't really taste it. And that's how our senses kind of work together. But all of those things combined is what gives us our perception of food. Do we like it? Do we not like it? What do we have a craving for? And so we need to constantly condition and test and strengthen and flex our taste buds in order to truly appreciate a broad spectrum of all of the flavors and different foods that are out there. I haven't tasted you know, half of what's out there. And depending on where you are in the world, there are going to be different things that um, you're going to, um, you know, have on your plate, because it depends on where you are. Are you near water? Are you eating mostly seafood? Do you have a lot of land or farming where you're doing a lot of like crops or grains or produce, fresh produce? Or do you have cattle? Um you know, and you're eating or, you know, you're in a big spacious area where you're hunting and you're going to have a lot of that gamey food or ignite that unami taste, right? So it really just depends on what's around you, um, where you're growing up, where you are in this world that are going to kind of ignite those different taste buds. But you could have a craving for anything. When you're flexing those Uh, muscles, your sense of taste, you truly get an appreciation for different things. And you can change the things that you crave. So there are lots of different things that I did once I realized that I had control over what it was I was going to eat, try different things. Let me try this something that I've never tried before. Let me give that a try. And let me try it in different ways. Sometimes it's a texture. I know my kiddos are very sensory things. They, I mean, they probably get that from me. I don't like things that are soggy. So I'm not going to eat broccoli if it's soggy and it's kind of been boiled to a pulp where there's no more of the nutrients in there, but I don't like it like that. I like to have a little bit of a crunch to my veggies. So that could totally um, turn your, your taste away from something just based on the texture. 
So putting all of those things or taking all of those things into account as well. So this isn't to say you can't have the cookies or the cake or the ice cream. You don't have to give all of those things up cold turkey. It's just making a simple replacement or um, making giving your brain a new thing to try and keep introducing it again and again and again until you're telling your brain a different story. So I'll give you an example of something I did not like. I hated avocados, like wouldn't touch it. I didn't like the texture. It was soft and mushy. And again, depending on how you catch an avocado, right? It's one of those things that turns pretty quickly. Bananas are another thing that, you know, I could get turned off from very easily. But it was mainly because of the texture of that food. I didn't really find anything that I wanted to pair avocados with. And probably the only time I had it was, you know, if I had guacamole, which was few and far between. But then I really started exploring that taste a little bit more. So I took that food and I put it into a smoothie, right? There are lots of health benefits to avocados, one of them being it's, it's a good healthy fat, so it's going to keep you full longer. So I put it into my smoothie, didn't need to taste it at all, didn't affect the, the texture, just made it a little bit more creamy, which you want in a smoothie anyway. And, you know, I could be on my way. It was filling. I didn't need to taste it. And then I condition myself, okay, well, let me just try eating little bits of it, um, putting it in my salad or things that I liked. And so I introduced it in different ways, different forms, different textures, and then started making my own guacamole and developed my own recipe for that, which I absolutely loved. And then I was like, oh, okay, I do like avocados. And it is going to nourish my body in a way that I wanted to. And now it's very rare that I make a salad if there are avocados in the house that I don't put avocados in there. Um, and I've used it many other ways as well. But the whole point is that I trained myself or rewired my taste bud to like a food that I previously had despised. So that's possible for everyone. It's not just for infants. It doesn't matter if you're uh, older child, a teenager, an adult, you're able to do this and you're able to do it for yourself and for your kids, but you have to be willing to do it. Um, and once you're able to con disconnect your emotions that you have toward a food and really just give it a good try, then you're going to be able to, this is going to be successful 100% of the time. And once you start craving different things. So you're telling your brain a different story now, right? Now I'm not craving that sugar. I could have, you know, we could buy cookies in this house. Actually, the kids, um, usually my son goes grocery shopping with my husband and they'll pick out some um, different snacks that they want for their lunches or different things that they might want to have on the weekends here or there in between games. And um there's always a ton of uh, fresh produce here. So they'll have like veggies and fruits and that sort of things. But, you know, sometimes they want some cookies or something sweet to snack on. And these kids are, they're pretty awesome. They never will ask me for dessert because they know if they want to have the cookies, it's there and they can have it. Um, but this time they picked out these uh, chocolate chip cookies with like extra fudge or something like that. I don't even know what it is. Um, and I was like, oh, this looks pretty good. And I had a cookie and it satisfied my sweet taste. And it's like one little cookie. I think a serving is three or four cookies. 
And that was it. Because I'm not craving that anymore. I don't need to sit and eat the whole box or container of cookies because that's not what I'm craving. And so I've trained my sense of taste and my perception about food is very different. I know the cookies are going to be there tomorrow. They're not running away anywhere. And if I want some tomorrow, I can get some tomorrow. If I don't, I don't. And nine times out of 10, it's not something that I'm really craving. I can have a small piece of chocolate and that will satisfy my sweet tooth. And it's not something that I need to have every single day. And a lot of times just how I've been, you know, kind of moving my body and exercising and working away, I can feel when my body is craving protein. I can feel when I need something a little bit more filling. I can feel when I want, I need something that has more like healthy fats or omega threes. And those are the things that I'm putting into my body. So it's not only rewriting that narrative or telling my brain a different story, but it's also detaching my emotions of good food and bad food. I don't have those categories in my head anymore. And that has really helped my kids in making really great choices that I wasn't even aware of at their age is that they can make the conscious decision to, okay, I want to have a cookie. And I've taught them how to read labels. We can talk about that later, just like what you're looking for. Sometimes labels can be tricky. What's a serving size and, you know, how much sugar is that going to give you? Are there added sugars? All this, all these different things. So they know how to read those labels, but they usually are pretty satisfied with the one, maybe two cookies as well. Or if it's ice cream, they can have like, you know, one or two small scoops of ice cream and they're fine. And it's not something that they want every day. They could have, you know, a bowl of uh, strawberries or blueberries just the same, and that would satisfy their sweet taste because that is the way that they have been brought up. That is how their senses are. They have a very um, refined palate for their age because they've been exposed to lots of different things. Um, You know, these are the kids who eat sushi. And so they, you know, have been introduced to that seaweed taste and the avocado and cucumbers and all of those things and they're fine with it. So it really is like once you can detach the emotion from it, you can adopt this food neutrality, neutrality, you can rewire your taste buds and have a different perception about food. So those things are just interconnected. And once you have a different perception about food and you're able to incorporate that in your day to day, then you find the foods that make you feel good that nourish your body. And once you are able to do that, then that truly helps your mood. It can make all the difference in how your day is going to go when you're not feeling bloaty, bloated or feeling crummy or having lack of attention or focus, you can't really concentrate because you don't have that energy that your brain needs, or you have that quick rush of sugar or maybe caffeine because you're drinking just coffee in the morning, and then you have that crash shortly after and you're not able to focus. You need to have that next sugary snack or that next cup of coffee with the caffeine because you're not giving your brain or your body the things that it needs to be able to function properly and to feel good. So this enlightenment will change 
everything in your stress levels or how you manage stress, your energy levels, your relationships with family and friends, how you're sleeping is another big one. And sleep is a big part of how we're able to function and your ability to focus and get through your day and just feel good. So I'm happy about where I am now and happy that you know, I've learned this skill. This is something that I teach to my clients. And it's one of the one of those um, pivotal points that I've talked about in making the first changes or the first steps towards change in your health. It's something that um, you can retrain yourself to do crave different foods and view your plate in a different way or have a different perspective about what's on your plate. All right, fam, that's all I got for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Keep listening in every Thursday, a new episode drops. You can rate, review, share, comment, let me know anything else you want to hear and reach out to me via email or IG. You can drop me a DM if you're interested in learning how you can move from chaos, overwhelm, and perfection paralysis to making small intentional changes in your health so you can live healthy on purpose. All right, y'all, that's it for today. Cheers to your health.